the devil hates so much the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Do what you need to do here, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let us sit down in his holy presence. Let us open the Bible. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. And they arrived to verse 26, 826, Luke 826. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of a city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, tor torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Hallelujah. Now, we all have read this passage of the gathering, and probably many teachings have been done on this regard. But I am going to teach not from the perspective of the deliverer, but from the perspective of the gathering. Amen. Why was he like that and how this tremendous deliverance took place? I was a gathering long ago. I was like this man. When I was 18 years old, I was not even seeking God. I was studying for my senior high school lessons we're going to have an exam so i was deep into my studies when i saw something that started to call my attention to go to the window and it was a very rainy day it was all covered up and uh and, and something was just dragging me to the window so i went to the window and among this this overcast and rainy day there was a huge beautiful star that was shining there, and, and it really caught my attention. What could that be? So I was staring at the star when something came from the star into my room. And there he was, Jesus Christ, in my very bedroom. The whole place was, was just totally overtaken by the most incredible love, the most incredible uh, goodness and, and, and mercy and, and power. All his glory was there. I, I could not st stand in my, in my feet, so I fell on the floor. I was, I was shaking, and I was so, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should lift off my face or something. The presence was so strong, and there he was. And, and he talked to me, and he said, I am Jesus Christ, your Lord, and I will manifest to you in its due time. And you will know me through a man with blue eyes, he said. 
And then he disappeared. He went away. And I stood in my room shaking, and, and I, I was totally transformed in that moment. The presence of the Lord was so strong. I was studying in an atheist school, and I went to the school to tell everybody about Jesus. I went to everybody. I told them, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one we have to look after. I was absolutely in love with Jesus. From there, I was, I was going to live in France. So I went to France. I live in Paris for a couple of years. And, and I was so in love with Jesus. I didn't, I didn't have a church. I didn't, I didn't have anybody, not even one Christian around me. I was born in Mexico City where the Christian church, I'm talking about the year 74, 1974. The church was very, very, very small at that time. We are a, a city right now. We have 26 million. But at that point, there were probably 8 million people. And the Christian church was absolutely unknown and totally unknown to the people I knew. So I have never heard about Christianity. I grew up like a Catholic. So all I knew is that Jesus was among the Catholics. That's what I thought. So I went to Mass every single day. And here I was in France without speaking the language, but I knew that if I went to, to the church, if I, if I had communion, if I pray the, the, the Father's prayer, and I do the little things I knew how to do, Jesus will come back to me. I will go out in the gardens, in the, in the parks, and, and just tell the, the, the French, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. I was absolutely persecuted. They say all kind of things of me. I was the mockery of all those French people. And Jesus never showed up again. He was not in the Catholic Church. Everything was so cold down there. There was no Holy Spirit. There was nothing. There was just rituals and rituals. After two years, all that fire, all that persecution, no Bible, nothing, totally dry my, my love, not my love for Jesus, but my fire for him. And I say, I cannot go on in the Catholic Church. He's not here. So I have to find him somewhere. So I went to the Eastern religions to try to find him. And I became a very devoted yoga, and I did all the... the uh, meditations and all the practices and all the, the, the yoga things, everything. Again, after two years, because they say they have a Jesus there. He's a great avatar. One of the lies of the enemy is that he has to put the name of Jesus somewhere in his lies. The characteristic of counterfeit is not the opposite of truth. The characteristic of counterfeit is that which is alike, seems like the truth, looks like the truth. If I give you a red bill and I say this is a hundred dollars bill and it's red, you will never take it as the real. But, but if I am an, uh, a person that counterfeits money and I will give you the, a perfect bill made with the perfect uh, prints, with the perfect paper, the, per the perfect ink, and just the numbers are wrong, you are never going to be able to tell if that is counterfeit or not. So the devil doesn't show up normally as this red guy with horns and, and really ugly, amen, and tell you just follow me. He will disguise himself as an angel of light.
And in every false religion, the name of Jesus is there. It's the hook that makes them believe that something is real, real there. A religion that has no Jesus in there immediately looks like fake, looks like it's not real. But if the name of Jesus is there, it attracts new agers. It attracts a lot of people. So finally, the avatar called Jesus never showed up. He was not there. I mean, and, and I was so disappointed. I left the new age and I left all this yoga kind of thing. I started to eat meat again. I missed so much my steaks and my hamburgers. Hallelujah. <laughs> And uh, so I, I was desperate. I said, I need to find Jesus. I know he's the Lord. And, and there, he's nowhere. So one friend of mine came and said, well, what you're looking for, you can only get it by an enlightened one. I mean, the kind of level of revelation you're looking for, only those that are enlightened ones can give that revelation to you, can give you that kind of experience. And I said, but where do I find an enlightened one? I said, well, it happens that I know one. Well, take me to him. So here we go to the house of this incredible warlock. He was a tremendous magician, a, a warlock, a, a, an occultist. And he spoke in such a deep, powerful way that immediately I was sed seduced by everything he was saying. And... Uh, and, and he was talking about all these mysteries of the universe and, and, and all these this, uh, experiences with God. And he said, how can I get to enter into the kingdom of God? How can I meet with Jesus again? And he said to me, you came to the right person. And he took out a Bible and he said, it is written here, everything that you need. This is the occultic. This is the, the guy, the warlock. That is telling me this. And he opened the Bible in John chapter 3. You all know this. Amen. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. So he read this. And I said, oh my God, that is deep. Uh, how can a person, I was like Nicodemus, how can a person be born again? Well, it's very simple. We have to give your spirit. You have to die to everything that is of this world. Well, sound very spiritual, right? You have to die to everything of this world. And then we are going to offer you to the spirit of death. And when the spirit of death overtakes your life, then you can be born again into the kingdom of God. So I say, I want to be born again. And I hold the Bible and I say, I've been looking for this all my life. Make me born again. So it took a while. It was not that easy to go into this ceremony. It's very similar to the Freemason ceremony. You have to go to the initiatic death experience. So they have to prepare your coughing. You have to be put there. They read everything like if you were a dead person. And before entering into the coffin, you have to be washed with the blood. And he opened again the Bible in Leviticus. And he started reading to me about all the blood sacrifices and the power of the blood to cleanse sin. And he said, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless the blood washes you. So we needed to bring a series of roosters and, and doves 
And uh, so he killed the roosters and the doves. And here I was totally washed in blood. And he was proclaiming the cleansing of all my sins through the blood of Jesus. And then I had my handmaidens with me, so they dressed me up like a mommy, all wrapped up for my funeral. They carried me into my coffin, and there I was like a mommy. So they have placed all these images, like, like saints and virgins and everything that you find in these churches. It's very delicate to have images. I mean, many times in America, it's taken so lightly to have an image of Jesus, to have an image of this, an image of that. And the way these images are worked by the, by the enemy, it's so horrible. So they started to invoke the powers of these saints. They started to invoke the powers to come over me, and especially the power of death. At a moment, my body, I had an out-of-body experience. I was floating in the room and watching my coughing underneath what they were reading all the liturgy of the death like they do in the Catholic Church or in a funeral. I mean, they were declaring, in peace, you may rest, Anna Mendes. So I heard those words were not very exciting, but anyways. So, so here I am floating over the room, and uh, suddenly it was like a black smoke that came out of one of the images of St. Teresa. St. Teresa is one of the images used of the power of death. So it was like a black smoke, and I saw a figure being formed, and it has like, it, it, was, it was very bony and very, very death-like, and, uh, and that, that smoke, that spirit started to go inside of my body, and I was trying to stop that thing, but I was floating over there, and I didn't have any control on my body, and that thing just totally entered into my body. At that point, there were like canes, canes, by a fireplace, and that is the fireplaces are where the demons of death are invoked, and the, the spirit of death manifests through the canes. So at that moment when the spirit of death took over me, the canes started to dance around me. At that point, I felt like claws coming inside of my brain. I came inside my body, and I felt literally like claws were entering into my brain. And, I, and she said, I don't see nothing. When I came out of that ceremony, I was totally demonized. As my brother uh, said in, in the morning, the power of evil has totally taken my life. I got new powers. I have now the powers. He said, the, the warlord said, now you have the powers of, uh, of the kingdom of God. Now you have the powers of magic. Now you can see the spirit realm. Now you can have everything you wanted. And I started to have a lot of fame. I was an artist. I was a painter. I was I, a tennis player. The strength of the devil came over me. And I was just playing tennis, and I was just smashing everybody. Very soon, I was at the top ranking of, um, of the tennis players in Mexico. I was making a lot of money, uh, selling paintings. And, and little by little, the ceremony started to go deeper and deeper. And uh, at the beginning, I had a visitation of Satan. And he showed up like a beautiful angel. He showed up in its beauty, 
There is a fake beauty of the devil. And he came to seduce me. He came to, to, so I can know him. So he can start coming every new moon, every full moon to my room. And at the beginning, it was a very extraordinary experience just to talk with him, just to be friends with him. I didn't know he was Satan. He just gave me a name. And that name is the one I would call every full moon. One day, the spirit of the full moon, this, this angel of light, this Satan himself, showed himself the way he really was. And suddenly he took his mask off, and I saw the devil face to face. And he said to me, I have come here to claim you as my wife and you will be married to me. When I saw the devil, I said, I'm not going to be married to you. And he said, well, there's no way out. I already own you. You have signed a contract with blood and I own your soul and you are to serve me. And I said, well, I will never marry you. Well, there's no way out. I am your master and you will have to do whatever I ask you to do. From that moment on, there was a war that started. I was not going to submit to whatever he wanted me to do. But a war started. Then he started to send demons to torment me, demons to totally beat myself up. Like you see in the gathering, I found myself just throwing myself in the door, in the, in the, in the floor, in the walls, everywhere. And uh, I, I just could not stop the tormenting. It was like feeling like I was being ripped off from from within, and I mean, the, the torment, the pain, I will spend uh, weeks just weeping, weeping, tormented without being able to do nothing, just being under, under the foot of the devil for, for entire weeks. The pain in my soul was so strong that it, the soul can only take a certain amount of pain once it reaches a certain point, you enter like in an anesthesia. You cannot take any longer. He was destroying everything around me. He was destroying my family. My children were taken away from me. I could not see my children anymore. That was totally devastating me. My family was totally torn into pieces. My twin sister was caught with a tremendous uh, tumor in the spinal cord, everything around me. What was a fa the fame and the glory once that I had once started to go down and started to go into debt and misery. And, and, and we used to gather with all the main warlocks and, and we had awesome awesome meetings in the Cathedral of Mexico, one of the major demonic places in Mexico City. And I gathered with major warlocks. I was among, we, we had a, a triangle of power, and we meet with the most powerful warlocks. Now, when we think about witches and, and warlocks, they always boast, like if they have all the power, like if they have all, everything under control. The truth, we were all tormented. The truth is we were all weak. The truth is that we, have ser we were serving the father of all lies, and we were living a lie that we knew. We were putting a facade. We were, we were boasting in our pride, but the truth, there was brokenness in each and every one of us. And we were just waiting for the moment 
that the devil will hit one of us or one of our children or one of our beloved ones and then we'll gather together and we'll say oh the, the little one, the baby, the baby has been touched, let us do something, let us, let us do something, and we knew it was over. We knew there was no hope, we knew there was no invocation we could do, because the devil was going to take our beloved ones. Inside of every warlock, inside of every witch, there's a brokenness. I preach crusades to witches. I preach crusade to people in the occult when they all boast and they th think they know all things, but they know in their hearts they are broken. They have seen their relatives died in the most horrendous accidents. They have seen death all over. They have seen tragedy. Tragedy follows occult everywhere. Tragedy is all over. When you start to touch the subject of tragedy, that is the weakest point of the warlocks and the witches. I started to discover something. I started to discover the devil was not as mighty as he presumed he was. And we were trying, we were charging major amounts of money to do witchcraft uh, service to people. And we will do all kind of, of witchcraft to them. And there were certain people the devil could not touch. So one day, in one of the visitations of the devil, I challenge him. And I say, you promise that if we serve you, you will give us everything we ask. And we're bringing all these people to you and you cannot touch that person that we are trying to destroy. Why is it that you cannot do this? Why is it that you cannot do that? Why is it that you cannot touch and destroy that marriage? that we've been asking you to destroy. Why is it that you cannot touch that person? Why is it that you've been telling us that you have all the power, but you don't? And I spoke this word face to face to the devil. That day, I signed my sentence to death. After that moment, the spirit of death was after me day and night. It was like having a, like a, like a parrot speaking to me, uh, clinging to my, to my shoulder and telling me day and night, you're going to die. I'm coming after your soul. I remember one day we went to the witchcraft market in Mexico City, uh, my warlock and I. And we were going to do this major ceremony, so we needed a lot of stuff. So we went to buy our stuff, and he said, I want to introduce you to the power of the miserable. This is the power that controls the witchcraft in Mexico. So he took me through the alleys to a very hidden place within the market of witchcraft. And, uh, and there was a place, but there was no image there. There was nothing there. And he looked at the place and he said, well, it has been taken to eat. When a warlock says that a saint has been taken out to eat, it means that they're doing blood sacrifices to the image. That's why so many people are tied up with the images. We went inside the Catholic churches with the permission of the priests to bring blood to the images so they can captivate the people. I mean, bowing and praying to images made of stone, made of wood. I mean, it's not stone and wood. It's the devil, and it, they have been worked out with blood sacrifices. So, 
So he said, well, it's not here. It's too bad, he said, because it's a very impressive image. It's like a little kid, but has no eyes. And from the holes where the eyes supposed to be, there's just blood coming out throughout his face. And I said, well, I thought to myself, well, finally, I'm, I'm happy. I didn't see that thing. And uh, we were walking out from the market when the warlock starts screaming, stop, stop, look down there, look down there. And I said, where? Just where you cross. And I turn around the very place where I have walked by. And there was like a homeless laying in the floor. He was not there 30 seconds ago. So he was in the floor like that. And the warlock said, look to his face, it's him. Look to his face, it's him. So I look at his face and he had no eyes. And there was blood coming out of of the holes and he started to speak and he said I'm coming to take what is mine the hour has come for you and I look at the warlock and I said what does this mean and he said well it means that we need to give the money to the poor because he's the patron of the miserable I knew in my heart it was not that he was coming after our souls and our days were counted during all that year, I was at the brink of death, major tragedies. I was, I mean, uh, assaulted uh, with guns. I was, I was in a fire. I was in the biggest earthquake in Mex Mexico City, in, the, in the, all the damaged area. I mean, four different times the devil wanted to, to kill me. So I started to escape from death. So I ran to Puerto Rico. I said, I, I want to get away from Mexico City. That the spirit of death is all after me. So I, I went to take some vacations in Puerto Rico when I was in a city and the whole, there was a storm and a whole mountain came down and, and, and crushed the, the town where I was. And exactly the same atmosphere in Mexico where 7,000 buildings came down in 85 in the earthquake. I was, I was trying to rescue people. Everybody wanted to rescue people. There were so many. We lost three, more than 300,000 people in that earthquake. So one of the points I was trying to rescue some, some people in, in, in a hotel, and the hotel exploded. I was totally uh, uh, sent out by the fire, and, uh, and the devil was there telling me, I'm coming. There is no way to escape. There's no way to escape. There's no way to escape. The torment of death was so strong in my life. Amen. The warlocks, the witches, nobody could do anything. We were all in the same trap. There was no way to come out. And uh, so one night, all these demons show up and tell me, and told me, there's no way out. Why don't you kill yourself? And I said, well, that's a good idea. That's what I'm going to do. And one devil show up and say, well, if you don't kill yourself, you're going to have a palsy. You're, you're going to have a, a brain stroke because the pressure within you is so strong that you're going to be crippled all your life. And I said, I don't want to be crippled all my life. I better cut off my veins and get rid of all this torment. So... I was so demon-possessed, and this battle was going on so tough inside of me that I took a blade and I cut my veins, and I shed the blood everywhere in the room. 
And I was just screaming and screaming and screaming to God and saying, where are you, God? Where are you, Jesus? You told me you were going to save me. And there is nowhere where you are. There is nowhere where you are. And I cut my veins and my, my, the maid, I had a maid. And she called my sister and said, you have to come immediately. Your sister, it's bleeding. It's terrible. So she came to pick me up. And I was almost dead. She put me in a car and took me to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, I was in the emergency room. I was half dead. I mean, I, I was just so weak. I have lost so much blood. When I heard the audible voice of God that said, Your Father in heaven will not forsake you. And I went into a deep sleep. They put all kinds of drugs in me. And I woke up in a mental hospital. At this point, you have to understand, my mind was not working at all. My face was already half palsy because of the extreme tension I was into with all these demons. I could not make one sense, one sentence clear. You will be speaking to me anything, and I will turn around and I will say, oh yeah, look at the spiders in the wall. Oh, they, they, they are all over. And, and, and that, was, that was the conversation I should have with every person. I could not make sense. People will say one thing, I will say another. I was so out in space because of all these demons. One was talking, the other was talking, that I did not have a mind. So I entered to the hospital. I didn't know where I was. I mean, everything, I just, I just was hearing all these people screaming. The nights in a mental hospital are so cruel. And you can hear all these people, I mean, just screaming. Everybody's demon-possessed there. And, and, and they have to tie them up, and they have to, to bring them to, to special shocks. And you're just waiting to this next person that is going to scream. It's a nightmare to be down there. But I was exactly like there were. So one day, an aunt came to the room, an aunt of mine. Those kind of aunts that never show up, she show up. And I say, what are you doing here? Well, she said, I knew you were here. And I want to tell you, there's, there's someone I, I met. There's a man that I met that, that, that I want him to talk to you because, because he truly changed my life. Can, can he come? I said, sure, I, I'm going to be confined here forever. So, so, I mean, some entertainment is bring him in. It was 7 o'clock in the morning, one morning, when a man entered my room. And there was something in that man. The Spirit of God was all over him. The moment he penetrated that room. It was like light. He started to speak about Jesus. Everything in me was sharp to listen. I wanted to know Jesus. Someone was talking to me about Jesus. And he shared to me the gospel of Jesus Christ. The true gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the watered down gospel that is preached today. But the real transformation powerful gospel that is written in the Bible. I start weeping. When the spirit of truth, Jesus said, 
She said, I will not leave you orphan. I am going to my father, but I am sending the spirit of truth. The world will no longer see me, but ye will see me. And this spirit of truth, the comforter, will be with you. The important thing, and I was speaking from, on behalf, on the side of the gathering. When, the, when Jesus came to that place with all the tombs, that man so bound by the spirit of death, the man screamed. And he said, what do you have to do with me, O Jesus, son of the almighty God? And he fell at his feet. Every demon, demonic person reacts before the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is the most powerful deliverer in the church. It is one of the things that we have taken so lightly. We say, oh, Jesus is the, li is the life, is the truth, and the way. And, and we just take it, oh, yes, this is the truth. I, I mean, and I'm going to go to church. No, the spirit of truth is the spirit that destroys the empire of darkness. He is the father of all lies. And only the light and only the truth can destroy the empire of darkness. It is not what we speak. There's a lot of lukewarm. There's a lot of watered down gospel being preached. And I need to say this because we are in a generation where thousands and millions of people are attracted to the occult. Amen. And, and, and the church has withdrawn from everything that has to do with the spirit. Everything that has to do, I mean, with understanding high level spiritual life, being guided by the spirit of God. And we have trained the church so, so watered down, so, so, uh, in a way that people are so dependent of the pastors. We have taken away the power of the gospel because we want to make and to have a gospel that will accommodate to every sinner. The gospel of Jesus Christ do not accommodate to every sinner. The sinners accommodate to Jesus Christ. The greatest lie of the devil. And I said the reality of counterfeit is something that looks so real, but it's not. The greatest infiltration in the church today it's a gospel that teaches that we can live in sin and be safe. I read books today where I read statements like this. Oh, we met this born-again, spirit-filled man that loved his wife with all of his heart, but had this problem that he could not be faithful, like he was jumping for, from adultery to adultery to, to adultery. This is a deliverance book. And this is a lie from the devil. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, I want you to read with me First John. Because the greatest lie the devil has infiltrated 
is that, that a sinner is a safe person. That a sinner can be a spirit-filled person. There's a difference in the Bible between being a sinner. Sinner is the one that practices sin. Sinner is the one that has not been drawn out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that do not happen. That doesn't happen because you make a little prayer in, a, in an altar that says, Jesus, Jesus, you love me so much. Come and live into my life. I give you my life. And you're giving nothing to the Lord. You're still being the Lord of your life. Amen. You're still in your own sins. And this is what has contaminated with the spirit of lie, the church of Jesus Christ. There's nowhere in the Bible, and I challenge anyone here, there's no one, in the, no one in the Bible, none of the apostles that consider a sinner a safe person. Paul said, we said, oh, but that's a carnal person. There's a difference between immaturity and sin. There's a difference between being an adulterer. You know what is the, the percentage of people in the church today that are plugged to the internet, to pornography, having a double life and calling themselves spirit-filled spirit believers because we have told them you can be a sinner and you can be a believer at the same time. The very person that says with your mouth you confess, with, you, with your heart you, you believe for salvation and with your mouth you confess for salvation said he that is a sinner. He, does, he that doeth fornication, adultery. He that lies. He that is a drunkard. He that steals. He that do all these things will not enter the kingdom of God. We have reduced the gospel, the marvelous gospel of salvation into a one little verse in Romans 10. Where Romans 10 is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just one Piece of a marvelous truth, which is salvation. James says, without uh, faith, without works, is nothing, is death. Amen. John says, he that sinneth is not of God. Come, come with me to John, chapter, 1 John, chapter 3. It says, I'm reading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our inheritance in God. He, verse 8, he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of evil. Somebody says Jesus Christ came to destroy the work of evil. Not to condone them. Not to live with them. It says. Whosoever, whosoever is born of God. Now everybody is born again. Everybody calls themselves. Oh I'm a born again. They're in adultery, they're in, in fornication, they're cheating people, they're stealing, they are, they're having lives that are a disaster, they're liars, they're hypocrites in the church, but they call themselves born-again Christians. It says, whosoever is born of God doeth not, do not commit sin. 
for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God in this the children of God are manifest that the children and the children of the devil whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God neither he that loveth not his brother for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Hallelujah. He that practices sin is of the devil. He continues in chapter 5 and says in verse 18, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. There's a difference between being an adultery and being someone that is immature. There's a difference between saying, oh, I'm of Paul. Oh, no, I'm, I'm of Apollos. That's a carnal mind. And being hooked into pornography. How many can see the difference? John speaks about sins. There are sins of death and sins that are not sins of death. Oh, no, sister, we, we, don't, we, we don't preach on that. That is Catholicism. No, it's not Catholicism. It's in my Bible. It is the gospel of Jesus. Amen. There is sin that trespasses the body. What is truth in the natural is truth in the spirit. If I take a knife and I cut my arm, I am wounded, but I'm not going to die. But if I take a knife and I trespass my lungs or my heart, inevitably I'm going to die. Trespassing of the spirit. Sin trespasses the spirit. There is sin of death that causes that spirit to die. We have changed the gospel. And that is why we have so many people so full of demons. Because the gospel has been so watered down. The gospel that Jesus preached, he appeared to him, to, to Paul. And he said, I am sending you to open their eyes. To take them out of the kingdom of darkness. Uh, trespass them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Today people are walking in the churches in the kingdom of darkness. I mean, I have made uh, programs on a call, and I have calls from Christians calling me, oh, 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 we played the Ouija board. Is that, is that, is that wrong? What kind of gospel are they hearing? Oh, oh, we've been Christians for so long. I mean, there's abomination after abomination after abomination. You know what it means to be spirit-filled? To be baptized. Baptized means submerge. Amen. And submerge means that everything inside of me, everything outside of me, I am surrounded, I am immersed totally with the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that I am, if I am impregnated, totally sunk into the presence of the Almighty God, I cannot link myself to pornography and enjoy it. I cannot commit adultery. He that is born of God sinneth not. 
Spirit of truth, come upon us. Spirit of truth, come upon us. Because this is the spirit that overcometh the occult. I heard a message that was not coming out of somewhat that repeats. We call people to the altar. We say, oh, repeat after me this little prayer. Now I'm going to state apostolic foundation here. Apostolic foundation was spoken by the apostle Paul and said, this is the foundation of the building. This is the foundation of the gospel. The Lord knows whom is his. And come out of iniquity anyone that invokes the name of Jesus. Come out of iniquity. If you are going to there to invoke the name of the Holy Spirit of God. Today we just repeat little things. We train people how to repeat little things. And we have turned the most powerful gospel. The most powerful essence of God in the world. Into little formulas that have millions of people bound up to lies. Jesus went not after every person to adapt the gospel to their own needs. When the young man came and asked him, what should I do to enter into the kingdom of God? He says, you should do my commandments. He said, oh, I do your commandments since I was a little boy. Now give all your money to the poor. And he went out sad because he had a lot of possessions. Jesus did not went after him and say, oh, like we should do today when this millionaire walks into our churches. Oh, oh, don't worry. No, 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 no. Don't worry. You don't have to be that radical. The Lord is going to be dealing with you. And we adapt a man-made gospel that is keeping the church in the bondage of the devil. He that sinneth is of the devil. Gospel of Jesus Christ. He that is born again sinneth not. For the seed of the almighty God prevents him. And he cannot sin. When you are born of the spirit of God. The very life of Jesus within you. When you are tempted to go and sin something powerful. Something that is not of this world. Something that is real and truthful within you. Stops you. And you cannot sin. The gospel of overcomers. Today everybody screams and shouts. Oh we are more than overcomers. And everybody is in all kind of bondages and tragedies and sickness and poverty and all kind of stuff. Because we have twisted the gospel into a social gospel that is not saving people. 99% of the people that come to deliverance to our ministry, the first thing we ask key questions on their salvation. If they are so-called Christians. 99% we discover they have never had a salvation spirit, a, a, a salvation experience. They have never had an encounter with the cross. They have never seen. Jesus told Paul, I have, I am sending you to open their eyes so they can see 
And if they can see, they can be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I was before this pastor when the light of the truth not just words that we learn in a seminary how to repeat because that's how we train our disciples today oh this is what you have to say this is what you don't have to say we, te we teach them how to discuss but not how to manifest the glory that destroys the enemy Jesus had not spoken one word when he showed himself up before the gathering and everything in that man was tormented by the presence of the spirit of truth in Jesus. What do you have to do with me? I didn't have a mind when I was locked up in that psychiatrist hospital. But when the spirit of truth Open the mouth of that man. Light and clarity came to my mind. The gospel is not a formula. It's not about what you say. But from what place are you saying it? He opened up his mouth. A Jesus that was alive in him a jesus that was truth in a holy man of god and i wept and i say i recognize everything you're saying is truth but the covenants that i have with the devil are so strong and i know that nobody can come out of this path and he said that is not truth the blood of jesus breaks every covenant and then i said what do i need to do to come to him i want you to realize this is not someone in the street i want you to realize i was like the gathering and i said what do i need to do to come to jesus and he looked into my eyes and he only said one word, repent, repent. We took so lightly that word. Oh, just repeat, just repent, just repeat after me. It's not about repeat after me. I have called you to open their eyes so they can see, because if they can see, and what is it that they have to see in order to be taken out? From the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. They have to see the filthiness of their souls. They have to recognize what they have done to Christ. When I heard the voice, repent. It was an earthquake in my life. I knew it was not the Catholic repentance social gospel that I have heard but that I was in front of something that was so pure and so truthful that I could not play with it. At that moment, my eyes were open and I could see my filthiness. I could see the ugliness of my spirit. 
I have I could see how every how every part of my face, how every tray of my of my face, was totally uh, transformed and deformed by the demonic powers that were inside of me. I could smell the smell of sin. Oh, it's so stinky. The smell of fornication. The smell of bloodshedding. The smell of idolatry. The smell of witchcraft. Today, thousands of people want to present themselves into worship before the living God with stinking smell of sin. Offending the very nostrils of God. I saw myself. And a great shame came to me. I was so sorry. I was so sorry. And at that point I saw. I don't know if it was a vision or my imagination. But I saw Jesus hanging on the cross. And I saw in every wound of his body the marks of my own sin. It was not the sin of the world in his wounds. It was Anna Mendes' sins that trespassed the Son of the living God. It was I. And my name was in those names. My name was in those wounds. My name was written everywhere. Repentance is not repenting from a sin. It's repenting from having crucified the Lord. And then we can say, I love you. Everything that I was seeing in me, I'd crucify him. And I said, Lord, how? How can you have mercy on me? How can you have mercy on this witch? But out of those very wounds, the most extraordinary mercy came and forgave me. And then the pastor came and put his hand on top of me and just said these simple words. I mean, I'm not talking about major deliverance ministry. He was a simple man of God. And he just said, the blood of Jesus washes you from all sin. Every demonic force that dwells in you, come out right now. In this tone of voice, he didn't have to go through thousands of demons. I had legions. He just said, everyone in an authority that is given by those that are crucified with Christ. That speaks from the truth. And you say, just leave. And then he said, and in this very moment, the Spirit of God come inside of you. When he said that, it was like a light that showed up in the room. 
In that very moment, I, I felt all the chains that were binding me just being broken. I felt like a rushing wind living my body like that. I felt like if I had waited tons without oppression, now I was a bird that could fly. I was delivered. I was free. And, and for almost 12 hours, the light of his righteousness was shining upon that room. We couldn't move in 12 hours because of the holy presence that was there. And he said to me, do not turn around, not one bit, because the devil is after you to destroy you. But my covenant to you is that if you remain in me, the devil will not touch you. Those that are born of God, sinneth not. And he that was born of God, was sent by God, keepeth them. And the wicked one cannot touch them. After that 12 hours experience in his glory, I was totally healed. My mind was perfectly sharp. Every disease in my body was gone. Every demonic oppression was gone out of my body. I was totally filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The next day, the pastor came to me. How do you feel? I said, I feel great. But I discovered something. Everybody in this hospital is full of demons, the same way I was full of demons. How do you cast out demons? And he opened the Bible, simple man. At that moment, I realized he had blue eyes, which is not the common thing in Mexico, as you may understand. The promise was fulfilled, and it was truth. And I said, what do I need to do to cast out, to free these people? I want everybody in this hospital to experience what I have. You see, you don't have to teach people seminars and seminars on how to give out the gospel of Jesus Christ when you have receive the true gospel no one has to push you out amen you are a fireball that wants to go and tell the world jesus is alive it's because we have taught people a watered down gospel with no confrontation of sin that we want just numbers and numbers and numbers and people are coming to the church living their own lives calling the lord lord but their hearts are far away from him we consider them born again christians we consider them even worse filled with the holy ghost and when you dig into those lives, everything is a lie. The father of all lies is the devil. The father of all lies is the devil. A Christianity that is lived in lies is a Christianity of the devil. If I can say it that way. Are you with me? The spirit of truth is truth. Oh, sister, but you don't understand the gospel. We believe in a positional gospel. That, that you have a position in heaven in which you are holy, in which you are perfect, in which you are the most marvelous creature in Jesus Christ. But here, 
You're still in all your sufferings and your sins and your demons and everything. The spirit of truth, the spirit of truth is coherent between heaven and earth. In Jesus Christ, heaven and earth are one. There is not one truth in heaven and another truth on earth. What is truth in heaven is truth on earth. What is manifested on heaven is manifested on earth or has not yet come from heaven to earth. We urge people, you have to be a Christian now, now, let me do this one minute, pray. Okay, now I hug you, now you are a born again Christian. And the poor guy is going to hell. Because the way we preach the gospel, no one, no one says the Bible. That is a drunkard, a fornicator, an adulterer, a liar, and so on, will enter the kingdom of God. When we rip off the Bible and we say, don't you worry, you will enter the kingdom of God because you have said, Jesus, Jesus is my Lord. Well, I have news for you. I was a Catholic and in every mass, in every mass, there is a part in which you confess your sins and you recite a creed in which you say, I believe Jesus is the Lord. I believe he was, he is one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. That he was supernaturally born to the Virgin, to the Virgin Mary. That he is seated upon all the powers. I mean, that, that he is reigning at the right hand of God. And you receive that in every Mass. Is reciting, reciting, if reciting makes you safe, then every warlock is safe. Every new ager is safe. Every Catholic idol worship immersed into witchcraft is safe. Every sect is safe. Confessing is not just speaking out. This is the foundation, said Paul. This is the foundation. Depart. The, know, the Lord knoweth who are his. And depart from iniquity all those that invoke the name of Jesus. I'm here to tell you that it's within the spirit of truth that you can cast out every demon. When your life is one with God, they that have come in unity with God are one spirit with God. And the devil cannot touch them cannot touch them. We have to talk to people the truth. We have not to be afraid to speak about sin. Jesus is coming very soon. Amen. And before Jesus comes very soon, there is judgment all over the earth. Preaching a lukewarm, watered-down gospel. Is going to take a lot of people to hell. And we are responsible of that. Now we have to make all these theologies. On how can you be spirit filled. And be an adulterer. Well there is only one theology. According to the Bible. That is a lie. No one can be spirit filled. And be an adulterer. Oh but I speak in tongues. Well. The manifestation, I say, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will convict you of sin. If the tongues that you are speaking are not convicting you of sin, those tongues come from another spirit. 
of righteousness because I am going to the Father. Righteousness means that you recognize the Lordship in order to obey the Lordship. He is the Lord. Whatever He says you do, you have no option. You are obedient and your life do not belong to you any longer but belongs to Him. He will convict of righteousness. Oh, but I am an unrighteous person. But I call myself a righteous. Well, that is a lie. First John chapter 3 says, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is the one that is righteous. Let no one deceive you. Oh, we are the righteous, but we are in sin. Let no one deceive you. That truth is not true. It comes directly from the pit of hell. Amen. That, that is why Christians have so little power or no power against the devil. That's why they have to make up all these theologies on deliverance. Amen. To make up a theology fit a lie that was wrong from the beginning. The devil has not been able to touch me. I see people persecuted. I see people being destroyed by the devil because they come out of the cult. Because of the theologies. Because of the gospels we are teaching. Because we say it's okay. The Lord will deal with your little sins. And she and that person is in a mortal sin. And we are not taking her out. The Spirit of Jesus is bold. The Holy Spirit is bold. He that is righteous is bold. He that is in sin runneth, even though he's not persecuted. But those that are righteous are bold, like a lion. Oh, sister, what you're preaching is just too radical for America. I come to tell you, America, I live a radical life, with a radical prosperity, with a radical health, with a radical joy, with a radical blessing, with a radical gospel that has made me the most powerful, most, the most blessed people on earth. It is true. It is a gospel of truth. It is a gospel that transforms people. It is a gospel. And every demonic people, there are so many ministers in deliverance that are so full by demons. And those demon-possessed people come, oh, oh. And they cannot deliver them. Bring them to salvation. Confront them. And they scream and they, they crawl like a, like a serpent. What happened to you? Well, I went to, to a palm reader. You went to a palm reader and you have to crawl like a snake? Don't make me waste my time. The most possessed gathering Owns his will. I'm giving you a key. The most possessed gathering owns his will. And when he saw Jesus, he came to his face. I remember one guy in the most demonic city in my country, the city of Katamaku, the city of the sorcerer, of the, of the warlocks. From there, they used to control the whole nation, and we'd make spiritual warfare in that place. I mean, and totally destroy the power of the devil there. But when I enter there, one of the pastors says, I have a big problem. Before you're going to start all this war here in Catemaco, I have a brother. 
and he's so demonized that my mother doesn't know what to do with him. And, and he, I mean, he's cast out from any psychiatrist's hospital, and, and we have no other option than having him in a cage in the patio. So he took me to this patio, this yard, and there was a cage with a man inside. A man like you and I in a cage. And the pastor said, can you deliver this man? And I said, my Jesus can overcome all the evil. And I went in the mercy of God to this man. He looked at me. And I said to him, you have one minute before the devil asks your will to manifest. Don't give your will to the devil. And today you're coming out from this cage. Please don't give your will to the devil and you will be set free. And, he, and I said, you have to repent because you're a servant of the devil. And he said, no, I'm not a servant of the devil. I'm a victim. No, I said, you're a servant of the devil. Everything the devil wants you to do, that's what you do. You're a servant of the devil. Because you give your life to the devil, the devil is destroying your family, is destroying the church, and everything is in chaos because you give your will to the devil. You are a servant of the devil. Whoever obeys the devil to sin is a servant of the devil. Don't look at us who came out of the occult. Oh, you are the wicked one. Everybody that serves sin has been a servant of Satan. Everyone. So he started to repent and he said, what you don't understand is, 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 is the man in black that is behind me. You don't understand that. And I say, what that man of black knows is the living Christ that is behind me and is watching in his eyes. So he started weeping and crying. I did exactly the same thing. I said, now Jesus, the blood of Jesus cleansed this man. And every demonic force come out of him. I'm talking about a man in a cage. Just these words. I didn't have to go to some tr demon trying to beat me down or anything like that. We opened the cage. And the man walked out totally free. Was singing and dancing. And it's free until today. <laughs> the spirit of truth can do much more than any formula of deliverance. We need to teach our churches in a different way. We have to become, we have to become what Jesus is. And every word that is here, for your blessing, for your power, all power has been given unto us. We make, and I'm going to conclude with this, because we have made people so weak, they are demon-possessed. They have problems. They are oppressed by demons. And we made them so weak. The major problem of a demon-possessed person is victimization, self-pity. And we tell them, oh, poor people. Oh, no, no, no. You, you cannot do anything. You have to come to our team so you can be delivered. Oh, please call us. Oh, poor thing. You're feeding the devil right there. 
We teach our people, once they come out of the cult, to become bold, to fight their battles. God has given us a divine instrument. It's a divine wrath against the enemy. We have to develop divine wrath against sin. Divine wrath against the enemy. And everybody is able to fight. Everybody is able to get mad. Is anybody here that is not able to get mad? Have you ever got mad? That means you can get mad at the enemy. And if you train your people to be mad at the enemy, they can fight their own battles. Don't make people that are under oppression dependent on your ministry. Make them bold. Make them strong. Make them fight your own battles. And you will have a tremendous easy life as a deliverer. Believe me. Amen. We do deliverance sessions and we just have the people becoming mad at their oppressions. And they start becoming mad at the right thing. At the devil that has been oppressing. Get mad at that de devil. Of shortage, of, of, of illness, of, of oppression, of uh, whatever it is. Get mad at it. Get really mad. Because that instrument the Lord put in you, divine wrath. Jesus has divine wrath. When he came into the temple and weep all those merchants, there was divine wrath in him against the works of the devil. Are you with me? So we have to develop divine wrath against the enemy. And don't, don't make the people just more weak and more dependent on us. Hallelujah. So give the Lord the clap offering because he's able to deliver. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Now enjoy your lunch. And if you have never had an encounter with the filthiness of your soul, you need to have that experience. You need to have an experience in which you personally experience every wound of Jesus was because of your personal sin. When you do that, you're going to see the power you have and how you develop the power. But you need to go through that experience. Amen. Bring new believers. Have them go through that experience. People are tired of sin. People are tired to be beaten up. Sin is a problem. Iniquity is the problem. Amen. Teach them. Teach them. Do not be afraid. Jesus was never afraid to tell anybody, sin is no more. And we can do it. Oh, well, I want to continue to live my sinful life. Don't waste my time. We are in harvest time and there's a lot of people that wants to come to Jesus. Don't waste my time. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. I love you. Hallelujah. <laughs>